Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the July 13th episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. She's Kim. He's Chris. And we have lots of exciting things to talk about. Some of them may suck. (laughs) Well, we hope they don't suck. (laughs) We'd rather them not. Well, they may suck. Irregardless. Ah. So. Well, why might they suck? Because they might pick up dirt. Oh, there's a little clue for what may be coming up later. But yes, as he said, we do have some interesting things to talk about while we are 700 miles apart again. So we're back to our regular setup. So no birds and chimes and cars and anything like that today. We do hope you enjoyed that podcast. We had a lot of fun putting it together. If you didn't listen, you may want to check it out with some good headphones. So let's begin by talking about an opportunity where we all can get together, no matter how many miles apart we are, and that is the upcoming July class. So the class that we are going to have spawned from an idea that we had when we were in June's class, and June's class is already posted for you to download. And that was accessible ways for traveling. And we had talked about virtual house sitting. So if you're out and about and you're traveling the world and you want a friend or a family member to look over your house, how do they do that without camping out, making unwanted trips to and from your house to see if any packages are left or what have you? So we thought that home automation might be a topic to discuss for July's class. Absolutely. So you know Chris will be essentially hosting this class and sharing a lot of information with us. And there are a lot of different aspects to home automation, from cameras to lighting to security to heat and air, all kinds of goodies that we can talk about over the course of the night. And of course, at the end, Everything permitting, that we will happily open it up for your thoughts and suggestions and comments and what you do for your home automation. If you have any, if you don't, you know, you can find out why you might want it or why you might not. So we have a lot of cool things we can share. And, of course, the nice thing about the pre-record of the class, which we will pre-record this one, is that we can have lots of demos in there for you to show you what this stuff actually sounds like and how it works. Yes, you can have your A friend lock your locks you can lock your locks from 700 miles away, which I had to do. So if you forget to do something, if you want to change the temperature of your home while you're gone, that kind of thing, you know, home automation is, is pretty cool. And it has some drawbacks too, and we'll definitely talk about those as well. So we will hopefully have a lively engaging enjoyable discussion for you guys if you are not part of the events mailing list you want to join that first you can join that from any page of the mystic access website you can visit the site at m-y-s-t-i-c-a-c-c-e-s-s.com we don't spell that on every episode so i thought i'd give you the full address and you can join the events mailing list if you think you're there and aren't entirely sure just drop us a note we'll check for you make sure you're actually on the list And if your email address has changed and you're not getting Mystic Access Mail, you may want to make sure that you are, in fact, on the list or lists of your choosing. So definitely try that out and see if maybe you've been bounced off or what's actually going on. If you have trouble, just drop us a note and we'll try and set you up and fix you. 
The date of this class is, as usual, the last Thursday of the month at 8.30 p.m., which is July 29th. One thing that we did want to talk about really, really quickly before going into kind of the two little main events that we have is that Mystic Access will be closing down from August 4th to August 23rd for the wedding and things leading up to the wedding. So on August 4th, I will be flying back down to North Carolina and we will be getting married. And then a few days after that, we will be coming back to Buffalo to kind of open up on the 23rd. But fear not, we did temporarily hire Lisa. She will be the one that will be answering phones if you call in and have questions or want to place orders while we are away. So while the cats are away, the mouse may play. So she, we'll may. See. She, she may. She may. We'll see what actually happens there. But yes, she will be around to take your phone calls. So if you call, you will get Lisa. She can help you out, place orders for you, etc. So definitely be assured that the Mystic Access presence is not fully going anywhere. This is the longest we've closed in like six years, so it's going to feel weird for us. <laughs> to be like, what? We're not here. But we're going to be so busy, we're probably not even going to have time to think about it. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting t- couple weeks for us. We actually come back to New York on the 17th, and the rest of the week is kind of goof-off week, since we're not having an actual honeymoon this year. So we're just going to play around, and I'm going to unpack and try and settle, and then we'll be back to the grindstone come the 23rd. What will not happen until after the 23rd is that any physical hardware SD cards, what have you, that need to be shipped will not be shipped until after the 23rd. Absolutely. So keep that in mind. And we will be in sporadic email touch as much as we can during that time, although we can't make you any promises and guarantees, particularly if you do place an order for a speaker, transmitter, an SD card, something like that. We'll let you know that it could potentially be a few days before we can actually get it shipped to you. So please remember the 23rd is our return date. So, remember in the beginning of the introduction, I was talking about things that suck? (laughs) Yes. So, I'm talking about another vacuum. For some reason, I have a fetish with (laughs) things that crawl around by themselves or roll around by themselves, which would be little robot vacuums. There is a company out there called Wise, W-Y-Z-E, and they're famous for low-cost hardware electronics like cameras you get a video camera for about 20 to 30 dollars that you can put either inside or some of them are outside of your home so you don't have to necessarily spend 200 dollars on a ring camera they also have and this is something i may want to play with in the future and play with in the future because i'm not too sure i'm interested in ripping down what i currently have and that would be a security system. So WISE actually has a security system that you can put in your home or in your apartment, and you can have police and fire monitoring for, I believe it's like $5 a month. One of the disadvantages that I was reading about that specific setup is that if you lose Wi-Fi connection or internet connection, it will not call the police or fire. So that's kind of important if for whatever reason you lose connection to your internet and you're not home. Yeah, that would not be cool. But 
some of the other systems, they do have cellular capabilities. So if you lose connection to the internet, the system will automatically switch into cellular mode and it will connect to the monitoring station via cellular capability. So that's something to keep in mind. It's out there. And the app, when I've been playing with the app, it's very accessible to what I can see. So is Wise like some of these other companies where the app, you can put multiple things into the app, like their security cameras, their vacuums, et cetera? That is correct, yes. Absolutely. There's actually a demo mode that you can click into the app where it will show you the alerts and things like that that you're going to get from having the cameras or having the security system connected to your Wise app. It's actually kind of neat. It's the logs that you can play with. You can't really go in and arm and disarm the alarm because you don't have one. But just to show you what the cameras look like and the feeds and the cameras look like, it's really neat. It's nice from an accessibility standpoint, too, because you can find out if it's going to work for you based on that demo mode. Right. So Amazon had Prime Day, and I was good. I didn't buy much on Prime Day. But what I did buy was the Wise Robot Vacuum because I wanted to see what it was like. It was on Prime Day, $215, which was a pretty decent price. But what it has, which I thought was kind of cool, is a LiDAR sensor in it. So for those who have been following your Apple friends, your new Apple products, your 12 Pro Max is the ones that have the built-in LiDAR sensors. That is basically, to my understanding, using light to map out objects in your room or your home. And this little vacuum has that built in. So it can map your home and do a good job driving around these obstacles and not bump around the room. Sometimes some of these lower cost vacuums will, oh, there's a wall, bounce off of it. Okay, there's a chair, bounce off of it. You know, they kind of do that kind of thing. Or they won't drive in a straight line where this one does. And from some of the YouTube videos that we were just watching, you find a LiDAR sensor in a five to $700 vacuum. So you're talking about $500 off. Now, what it doesn't have are some of the cool features like your spot clean. So you can't put the vacuum down, hit a button and say, okay, I want to spot clean this little area that the kids just put three bowls full of Lucky Charms into the rug and smashed them in. And you would use the vacuum to do that. It doesn't do that. What it does, what I've seen, it works really, really nicely. And Kim actually had a couple comments on the different types of vacuums that she's had experience with. Well, the only one I've really had experience with is the Shark, and there is a Shark robot vacuum that I have. What's the model number for that? Do you remember? I don't remember, no. There is one, and I'll try and look it up and endeavor to have it when we actually put show notes up for this. But the one I have is infamous for stopping and losing battery power. Now, sometimes you can hit the switch on the back and it will turn it on. Sometimes you can put it directly back on the charger, and that will turn it on. But you have to have it lined up ever so precisely on the charger in order for it to work properly, in order for the charge to begin. But sometimes, number one, it could either be so dead that it takes an hour to hear the little sound that it makes to begin charging, or you just might not get it on right. And it's literally like a centimeter, and then it will start charging properly if you move it just an itty-bitty bit. But you just don't know sometimes, and it has been maddening for me to get this thing charged because I never know. It'll be good for weeks, and then, like right now, 
I have no idea what its problem is right now. I don't know if it's on, if it's off, <laughs> if it's connected. It says it's offline, and I know it's not charging, but I don't know what the problem is. Let me explain something for a minute about some of these robots. When they come up to their little dock and they're resting in front of their little dock, there are two little metal plates that the vacuum is supposed to rest on. And on the vacuum itself, there are two little connectors. And that's how the thing charges. One thing that I noticed as soon as I pulled the wires out of the package is it's more like the way that the Neato Robotics vacuums charge. And what it is is two metal pieces that are sitting on the charging dock, but it's on the front face. It's not on the floor. So the robot doesn't have to connect to it that way. And on the back of the robot, I believe, there are two long metal connectors. And what the vacuum will do is the vacuum will literally drive itself up and connect itself to the charging dock and make connection every time. And I've actually kicked the vacuum off the dock or away from the dock. It's not really on the dock. It's not sitting on something. It's sitting up against it. And it has turned itself on and it has magically placed itself back in front of those little charging strips, if you will. And it will say starting to charge to let you know that it is, in fact, charging. And, you know, with mine, it's supposed to make that little sound, the little tones that tells you that it's starting to charge. But if you don't know how precisely you have it connected, it may not do it. So I'm glad yours is more precise in terms of that it will give you the sound or the speech even when, you know, you wouldn't be sure perhaps on other models. The other thing that it does too, and the reviewer from YouTube pointed this out too, is that you get these little brushes with these robot vacuums and you're supposed to clean out the dustbin and clean the rollers and brush it off. On the Wise, the little brush has a little spot that it snaps into the vacuum itself. And there's a lid that covers the dustbin and covers that little cleaning brush. And that is nice because it's like he said, you get those little brushes, you set them aside, and you forget they exist because you can't find them. So that's really, really nice that the vacuum itself has that. There are two physical buttons, a power button and a go home button. And it has very, very good speech prompts. Now, what it does not do that the sharks and Roombas do, which I really like, is it does not have a locate me feature. So if it gets stuck or if it gets lost, you know, maybe it's tangled up in some kind of wiring or something and it just stops. It doesn't play a sound or have a way to tell the vacuum, I can't find you, where are you? What I've been doing, which is kind of a weird way to do it, is I've just started the cleaning job again. Just press the button on the app to start the cleaning job again. And that will fire up the vacuum and then I can hear where it is. So it's kind of a weird way to do it, but that's it. Does and that not confuse it and send it back to where it began cleaning? No. Or does it clean from its... It's position? trying to clean, but if it's stuck on something, it won't, it won't be able to move. Mm-hmm. So you still have to find it, pick it up, and put it back down anyways. But... It doesn't do that, and it, you cannot control it with your A friend or your Google friend. So those are two disadvantages for me that I see immediately with this specific little vacuum. It's also considerably louder than some of the other vacuums. <laughs> yes, it is. But it does a good job when it cleans. It does an amazing little job. And with the LiDAR sensor, it will travel in a straight line, 
Yeah, that's kind of nice. A lot of them go around and around in a circle, or they go in diagonal lines, and it's apparently really weird to watch. <laughs> yeah. So this one, there is not that issue. Another thing about the shark versus this one that I don't necessarily like with this one is the fact that you can't have it in a specific area. So if there's places you don't want it to go, let's say you put up your Christmas tree, and you have needles all over the living room, but you don't want it to hit that newly decorated tree and knock it over and break $500 worth of ornaments, then you can't say, do not go past this point, do not pass go, do not collect $200. It will go where it wants in the room. You, with the shark, have strips, little metal strips that come with the shark that you can place on the floor and say, this is your barrier, and it will stop when it reaches that point. For an accessibility standpoint, that's great. Mm -hmm. Because you can do it with this vacuum, but you would need sighted assistance. You would have to go into the app and draw a red line around the Christmas tree that says, don't go here. And that will work. And so. the disadvantage there, of course, is you can't use an agent like an IRA agent or Be My Eyes volunteer or something like that to make that happen. You actually would have to have somebody who knows your house, who can come into your house, look at your map, and set that up for you. Exactly correct, yes. So how would you rate this as compared to, say, Shark and Roomba, two others that people may be familiar with from previous podcasts? As far as accessibility for the app, let's start with that first. So I still think Roomba has the best accessibility for an app. And I'm specifically speaking of iOS because I haven't looked at Android in a while. And I'll just say it like it is. The next one would be the Wise app. It seems to be very speech-friendly, very accessible. Buttons are what they say they are and stuff like that. It was very, very easy to get onto the wireless network. You get speech prompts the whole way through from the vacuum. So like the Roomba, the Roomba's got speech prompts. The Roomba tells you when there's an error. This thing tells you when there's an error. This thing tells you when it's connected to the Wi-Fi, when you're setting it up for the first time. So does the Roomba. And I've played with a couple of Roombas that connect online, and they've all had speech prompts. The one falling at the bottom of the heap would be the shark app. Now, having said that, I like the way that you can talk to your A friend if you have one or your Google friend and you can say what is the status for vacuum name for the shark and it will give you the battery level. It'll tell you what it's doing, but you have to talk to your virtual assistant for that. The Whereas Roomba, with the Wise, it will send you push notifications? The Wise will send you push notifications. You can't talk to an A friend or a Google Home. The Roomba, you can talk to it using your A friend or your Google Home. But if there's an issue, let's say that the wheels aren't touching the ground or whatever, the Roomba will tell you to go look at the app. Well, I don't want to look at the app. You know, my phone might be across the house somewhere. I don't want to look at the app just to find out what the issue is. My friend should be able to tell me what it is, and then I can say, okay, a friend or Google, where's the Roomba? And it will play a sound so that I can find it. So with the Roomba, at least, interacting with the voice assistants, I still have to have the app. If I care what the error is, or if I did not hear the Roomba announce the error. So the Roomba will announce the error, but not through the assistant, if that makes sense. 
So if you're across the house from her, in other words, she starts talking to you, you're not necessarily going to hear her. Correct. Speaking of these vacuums, another thing to mention is using them on different floors and how that works or does not work. Right. Some of these LiDAR sensor vacuums can do multiple floors or map multiple floors. The WISE, for example, if you put it on another floor that's not mapped, yes, it will vacuum your second floor, but it'll start back off where you put it. So if you started in the middle of your bedroom, for example, it should find its way back to the middle of your bedroom. But it's not going to map out the area. Of course, it won't find its way back to the docking station because none of these robots climb stairs. (laughs) I can't believe somebody's not figured that one out yet. Seems like you should have a whole house robot. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to have to buy two or three of these for different floors or whatever. Yeah. So overall, to whom or how much would you recommend this? I think for the price, if you really just want something that's accessible that you can start up and stop on your own, maybe you don't care if it's connected to your A friend or not, I think it's a pretty good bargain. So if you aren't necessarily in with the A world or the Google world, but you still want a good smart vacuum that can map your house and do all this for you, it might still be a good thing for you. The first thing I asked, which I felt was the most important thing, is how well does it clean? If you're going to spend this much money on a vacuum, it better be awesome in terms of cleaning power. And you've been pretty happy with how it's cleaned so far. I have been, yes. Sometimes, like my Roomba, I think, and this is my opinion, my Roomba, when I got it, I didn't pay full price for it. I somehow got a discount through iRobot. But when I got it, it was like an $800 vacuum. And I think this little $200 one does a better job than the quote-unquote $800 Roomba 960, which I don't believe it's even $800 anymore. I think it's more like 400 these days. So it's, for me, it seemed to clean a little bit better than, than that one. And you can tell when you put your hand in the dustbin and you think it should be fuller than it is. I actually had this thing stuck up an SD card. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fun because <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to open the thing and there's this little square in there and there's my SD card just saying, huh, hello. Well, at least it didn't destroy it. That's good. No, and none of these vacuums do. None of these vacuums, they're if they suck up a pair of headphones or if they roll over and suck up a cord, they're smart enough. They're all smart enough to stop. It's not like a belt-driven vacuum where if it's sucked up a pair of headphones, you can probably... Forget oh, about yeah. those headphones. and <laughs> Do any of us remember what that was like? Oh. Not only what that was like, but what it smelled like. Oh, what it did to your belt. You destroyed your vacuum and your nice headphones. Ooh. Yeah, you better Not know how good. to take your thing apart and get a new belt if you can oh, get a belt for, sure. for you. If you can, yeah. Oh, right. my gosh. Yeah, what a disaster. I wonder if they're making for uprights belted vacuums anymore probably not i know well i know i just had one that was an upright that i probably bought but it's probably been like seven years or so since bought it it was an auric and qvc used to be really big on selling aurics and man oh man my vacuum just went Ooh, i had to air out the house for like half a day or more to make sure that that smell was gone so that one was belted and you know that was relatively soon when we bought that but yeah, I I don't know. I'd be happy to be rid of belts. I think the upright shark that I have is not a belted vacuum because I've sucked some stuff up there pretty good. And it does stop without destroying the wires. 
Yeah, that's really good. The other thing that I remember about this one is that it does have a HEPA filter. I assume it's a washable HEPA filter. I don't know if you've taken it out yet or not, but some of them are washable, some are replaceable. It just depends right. on the filter. So that's a really good thing to have in a vacuum as well. Actually, you bring that up, and that's a good point regarding this vacuum, which I haven't seen on any other vacuums. It tells me how many hours it's ran, how many square foot that it's cleaned, and how many hours you have left on the brush, the little sprinting brush. Mm -hmm. So it tells you when you're supposed to replace those brushes by the number of hours that it's been used. I don't remember if it does it for the HIPAA filter or not, but I know it's either for the underside brush and the spinning brush. It'll tell you how many hours you have on that and how many. It tells you with speech or it tells you in the app? It tells you in the app. Oh, that's nice. So let's move on to our next little topic, and we promise this is going to be a shorter topic than what we just did, but I kind of thought that the vacuum was a decent little topic for people to check out. Yeah, we're going to talk about something else you can listen to. You can listen to music. Or podcasts. Or, or books. meditations. Or yes. books. Yes. Mm -hmm. So a few podcasts ago, I don't know how many podcasts, maybe 15, 20. Longer than 10. we think, probably. We'd probably, probably be scared. <laughs> yeah. Kim had talked about some sleep masks that she has. And when I went down there, I needed a sleep mask because, you know, you're so used to not sharing a space with somebody. And you just come in, you're blasting your stuff, and they don't want to hear your stuff, <laughs> you know. So you kind of have We do not to... listen to the same podcasts most of the time. <laughs> we don't. So what that means is you have to start using headphones in some instances because you don't want to annoy the other person with your stuff. So she's talked about sleep masks in the past. So before I went down there, I bought myself a sleep mask with headphones. It's got little... Bluetooth, it's a Bluetooth sleep mask. It's got headphones, speakers in it. And I brought it and I showed it to Kim. I have nothing to compare it to because I don't have any other sleep masks. But what this mask looks like, it looks like, I guess, a pair of sunglasses, if you will. It's got eye holes for your eyes. And they're not holes, but they're places where your eyes would rest. So it's got the holes where your eyes would go. And then it's got where your nose would go. And it's very, very soft. It's very got, soft. Yes, very, cozy. very soft. It's called Music Cozy. Music Cozy! And Yay. We'll, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. But it has Velcro. I don't know if you can hear that. But it's got a little Velcro thing to fasten behind your head to keep the sleep mask on during your sleep or whatever you're doing. You're not going to use this as an exercise mask. Mm -mm. because it would be kind of disgusting when all is said and done and you're sweating in this sleep mask. So I would not recommend using this for something where you're going to be exercising. I think it's for sleep. On your forehead, there are three buttons. They're easily tactile, and the middle one is round, and that's your power button. You press and hold it, you turn it on, you press and hold it, you turn it off. On either side of it, you have one button on either side, they look like arrows. One's pointing to the right and one's pointing to the left. And then you have something on the front that looks like a logo and possibly words. I can't read it, but it's it's not a button. It's just a logo. It's probably their name and a logo or their logo, but it's very, very tactile. 
And that's really what this is. Now, Kim was able to play with this one for a little bit, and she's going to give us a little comparison of what she liked about each one. She's going to tell us a little bit about hers as well to give us a refresher. Okay, so mine is a little different setup. Whereas Chris's kind of is an eye mask in addition to being a sleep mask, meaning that it covers your eyes and blocks out ambient light. Mine looks kind of more like a stocking or a pair of hose, something like that, in terms of the material. But it can cover your face from like your forehead all the way down over your eyes. So you can use it as an eye mask as well in that sense, but it doesn't have little round spots for your eyes to sit. Mine is a much thinner material, however, and the little headphones inside, unlike Chris's, will move around so you can kind of adjust where you want those earpieces to go. In both cases, both of our earphones inside are flat, so you can lay on your side, in other words, with them without any discomfort, really. As long as you get your headphone kind of over your ear, at least, you won't have any discomfort. So mind, you might have to adjust a little bit. And in some cases, being able to adjust is a good thing. You know, figuring out where exactly you want that headphone to be for maximum listening enjoyment and maximum comfort. Mine also has three little round buttons that sit on your forehead. The one in the middle is power, play, stop. And on either side, you have buttons to adjust track and adjust volume. With mine, you press and hold to adjust volume. And you press to adjust track. With his, you press and hold to adjust track and press to adjust volume. When it is a sleep mask, you want to adjust that volume as easily as possible to make sure it's at the right comfort level for you. So I like with his that you can just press, 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 press and get the volume exactly where you want it. Whereas with mine, it's a little more effort. So with mine, I tend to use the phone, which kind of defeats the purpose of having a nice Bluetooth sleep mask (laughs) in order to change the volume. So, those are some differences. The sound quality also differs pretty considerably between ours. Mine sounds very good and very clear, but his is definitely louder than mine. So, I think I might like them for different purposes. The other thing about mine is you can absolutely use it for exercise. As long as you aren't pouring sweat into it, you're good to go. So, you can absolutely just pull that up, use it as a headband because the material is very flexible. Put your hair up in a ponytail or something. Stick this little mask on and go. I have done it and it works great. So with Chris's, you don't want to do that, obviously, because it's made out of a very plushy, cushy material, hence the name Music Cozy, and you would ruin it quickly. Yeah, both have speech prompts to let you know what's going on. They certainly do. Mine will tell you power on, power off, and connected and disconnected, I think. And I think yours does the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're both female American voices. So they're very clear. They work very nicely. And I think both of them have really high Bluetooth. I know mine's at least 4.2 and possibly 5. Mine's 5, I know for sure. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And the other thing about these is they're both under 25 bucks. I think yours was a bit more than mine. Mine's currently, as of this recording, eighteen ninety nine on Amazon. Mine wasn't much more than that, if that. Oh, the other thing about mine is it doesn't have Velcro. You just literally... Put it around your neck and then move it up and move it around your head and adjust it in the way that you want to adjust it. Both of them also charge with micro USB. Yes, they do. The only thing about yours that I do not like as compared to mine is it feels huge on my face. <laughs> it does feel kind of huge. You know? yeah. I do like, though, how mine kind of folds up into itself. Mm-hmm. So for traveling, 
you can really just fold it up into itself. You can't fold it in half because of the thing, but you can kind of fold the band up. And I can actually put the, because I'm doing it right now as we speak, I can actually put the speakers into the eye holes. Maybe that's what they're for. Maybe they're not for your eyes. <laughs> but they're to, they're to place speakers in so that you can you can travel really nicely with it. You can put it in a backpack and you can just travel with it. And it's nice it's nice and flat. It'll do very, very well with traveling, you know, putting it in a suitcase or whatever. Yeah, mine would too. You can kind of just fold it up into a small square and have it work nicely for you and just throw it in your carry on and off you go. So both of them are really nice in that regard if you want to travel. They aren't going to disturb your seatmate and you can just listen to whatever you want and have pretty good sound quality and really enjoy it. Now years ago I did a mask review for one that actually had the honest three point five millimeter plug. We were way past that and I know I paid at least thirty bucks for it. So I'm really glad we're no longer there. <laughs> and uh these are a huge step up from that. Now you do need a device that has a Bluetooth capability in yep. order to work this. There is no connectivity via a wire so you need some kind of bluetooth transmitter if your device doesn't have bluetooth or bluetooth on your device itself absolutely so if you are using something like a first generation stream for instance or a second generation stream for that matter you could plug in a bluetooth transmitter to it connect that transmitter to the sleep mask and then utilize that so you just need an extra device to make that work one thing I did want to mention before we go, I did want to spoil the magic of last week's podcast. So some of you might be wondering how that was recorded. Well, first of all, we weren't sitting on Kim's porch. We were 700 miles away and we were dropping in sounds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was actually recorded with a PlexTalk pocket, one of these older little guys, and a set of in-ear binaural microphones. So that's how you got the sense that you were sitting inside of Kim's head because she was wearing them. <laughs> and we were sitting right next to each other on my porch in chairs and got really good recording quality out of it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. I was really impressed on how good, when you can hear that tire when the family <laughs> member drove by and you could hear that tire crunching the gravel, I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it sounded really amazing. There was a part where you go back into the house to take a phone call, and you can hear all of that. You can hear me clumping around on the porch. Yes, I'm like can. my mom. I have this habit of walking really hard. <laughs> it's really silly. But you notice it when you play this kind of stuff back, and you're like, oh, my gosh. But, you know, that kind of stuff was really fun to put together. We hope when, you enjoyed our little discussion and tour. When we were listening to it after, she had brought out her Bose headphones, and I put them on, and I was just listening through the Plex Talk. And I was like, why are you getting up? Why are you walking? <laughs> and it was the past Kim and not the future Kim or the current Kim that was doing the walking. So it really just plays with your mind when you have that kind of audio recording. It was worked out Absolutely. really well. And that's an older device. So the fact that you can still use these older devices for something is encouraging. It's a very good recorder. It always has been. I remember telling you that a long time mm -hmm. ago. I don't want to give this up because it is a heck of a little recorder. And I have a book port. So Kim basically inherited the Plex Talk. 
and I've got its sister, the Bookport Plus, and I don't think we'll be getting rid of either one of those two devices for no. that recording reason alone. When we go to Niagara Falls, we'd like to take that and see if we can get some good recordings of the falls. That would just Totally, be yeah. If we do, we'll share them with you because that will be fun. Between those and the good binaurals that we've got, we can make some really nice recordings. Mm-hmm. So we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and we shall see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and desire to discover how our comprehensive products and services may support and empower your assistive technology journey, we welcome your visit at www.mysticaccess.com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716-543-3323. If you have something to share about this podcast episode, press 4 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at mysticaccess.com. Connect with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Your friends and colleagues may listen and subscribe at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy our episodes, consider leaving us an iTunes rating and review. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode.